Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book Men Alive. Jim, in our series on the Beatitudes, the third one says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 4. Meekness is not to be confused with weakness. In Scripture, meekness means power under control. Talk about what Jesus means in this teaching. Okay, first, the context for this teaching. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread, and large crowds followed him. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Jesus was speaking to people living in a power-fear culture. They understood suffering, a world filled with disease and difficulties. Some people had leprosy and were removed and isolated from their families. Some had lost their eyesight. Children died from various ailments that today might receive medical attention and healing. In Jesus' day, no one had access to any type of pain relievers. One could say that illness and disease and famine and death were daily realities in Israel during the time of Jesus. Numerous places in Scripture we read of people dying and people mourning. The Jews also lived under Roman occupation. They mourned their loss of freedom to rule their own nation. Jesus understood the people to whom he was speaking. He had lived among them for 30 years. He saw their pain. He knew of their suffering, and he identified with their needs. So when Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, Matthew 5, 4, he is saying that the contrite, praying person is actually in control more than the powerful Roman soldier with his sword or the cheating tax collector with a double set of books. That's right. The contrite, praying person is blessed with the indwelling control of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew his listeners studied the scriptures. These Jewish men were not biblically ignorant. They had studied the Pentateuch as young boys and knew the story in Numbers 12 where the children of Israel were out in the wilderness and Miriam and Aaron had criticized Moses because he had married an Ethiopian woman. They said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them and judged them for their lack of humility and meekness. The Bible says, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. As we explained in a previous broadcast, Jesus used trigger words, a word spoken that exploded into a familiar story in the mind of the hearer. We need to remember the context of who Jesus was speaking to when he first said these words. They knew the Proverbs of King Solomon. They knew Solomon had said better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Let's put it this way. Blessed are those whose every instinct, every impulse, and every passion are under the control of God's Spirit. They will be right with God, right with self and others, and enter the life of which God alone can give. Noah, Daniel, and Job. These three righteous men come to mind when I hear your definition, Paul. 
Noah was described by the Holy Spirit as a righteous man. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself by adapting to the lifestyle and food of the Babylonians. And Job accepted Satan's test through all the pain and affliction he experienced without heeding his wife's advice to curse God and die. It's easy to sit here by this radio microphone and say, Yes, men, that's what you, the listener, need to do. But Pablo, you and I have to practice this teaching of Christ in our own lives as well as teach it to others. Our friends listening know we are not perfect. As flesh and blood humans, we never will be until we arrive in heaven. We both accepted Christ as young men. Like the story of the prodigal son, we are not worthy to be called children of God. But our Heavenly Father clothed us in the robe of Christ's righteousness and restored us into a right relationship with Him through the blood of Jesus Christ who paid the price for our salvation. Jim, you and I and every man listening need to pray for this meekness that Jesus taught some 2,000 years ago. It's needed more today than it was in the days of the Roman Empire. When I did my studies in adult education, I read some of the writings of Martin Buber, a Jewish philosopher. Buber defined dialogue as the meeting of meaning. It happens when two people have an exchange of ideas, even ideas that are diametrically opposed. They have come to an understanding of their thinking and meaning without attacking the other person's character or intelligence. This is important when we enter into dialogue with those of an opposing position or religious view. There will be times when our patience and self-control will be sorely tested with family members who have differing views. There may be times when the Holy Spirit affects a change in our thinking. This can show the meekness that Christ is teaching and create a sincere meeting of meaning. You are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham. You can receive a free PDF of our new devotional book, Live the Jesus Way, by sending Dr. Jim an email at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Live the Jesus Way, following and living the teaching of our Master. menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Jim, how do we show meekness and have a meeting of meaning on the topics of disagreement? There are a host of issues that divide Christians in North America, where there are an estimated 400,000 church buildings that belong to over 45,000 denominations. These denominations range in size from many millions of members to less than 100 members. Why so many denominations? Dr. Todd Johnson, professor of global Christianity and mission at Gordon-Conwell Seminary in Boston, writes, and I'm quoting, Throughout the history of Christianity, followers of Christ have struggled to express solidarity and unity. The earliest splits occurred over culture, doctrine, and church leadership. Later splits occurred over what church should look like. The story is told of a man stranded on a desert island for many, many years. Finally, a boat comes by and the man is rescued. The ship's captain comes ashore and sees three buildings on the hillside, each with a cross on the top. Tell me about those buildings, the captain asks. Oh, those are three churches. The one in the middle is where I go now. The one on the left is where I don't go. And the one on the right is where I used to go. Funny story, Pablo, but tragic. 
People float from church to church like the spots that float up and down on your eyeball. Now you see them? Blink. Now they're gone. Where is meekness? It's when every instinct, every impulse, and every passion is under the control of God's Spirit. I spoke in a number of churches in the Caribbean to folks who had come from a denomination that practiced foot washing. But I did not know this before I spoke. Without prior knowledge, my message included the story of our Lord at the Last Supper with his disciples washing their feet to show servant leadership because there were no servants at that meal. The disciple at the foot of the table, likely Peter, had failed to do the servant's task. At the end, we had a question time. Someone asked, how often should we do foot washing? I paused because the Bible does not list it as a command. It was a cultural practice in Israel where people walked on dirty roads and had dirty feet. Then I told them a story about one denomination in the United States that practiced foot washing. A dispute arose over whether men should wash women's feet or just men's feet, and women should wash women's feet. The dispute became heated and caused the split in the membership. Some left and built a new church building down the road. Only difference? In one church, men washed men's feet and women washed women's feet. Two churches, same basic beliefs. Whoops! (laughs) Wait! After more time, another dispute arose over whether the person who washed the feet should also dry the feet. Or should the person who had their feet washed dry their own feet? Soon a third church was built in the same town based on three personal interpretations. Paul, you defined meekness as blessed are those whose every instinct, every impulse, and every passion are under the control of God's Spirit. I struggle to see how meekness was exemplified in these three congregations. To be meek is to be able to willingly accept temporary defeat in order that there may later be victory in the Spirit. Okay, Pablo, confession time. When I first went with you to Asia to teach the Standing Strong Through the Storm course in Regions of Persecution, I recall hearing you teach on the Beatitudes. I sat at the back of the room and thought, okay, this is good, be humble, be meek, yeah, yeah. Everyone has heard the Beatitudes. How does this connect to responding to persecution? It was later when I considered the context of the audience to whom Jesus was speaking 2,000 years ago that the Beatitudes jumped off the page and became alive. Jesus is not saying, rise up and kill the Roman persecutors so you may have a Jewish kingdom here on earth. Jesus is saying, if you will follow my teachings and be transformed by God's Spirit into my character, you will not just have a temporary country, you will be part of Christ's kingdom and inherit the earth. I heard a story of a Christian leader who was meeting with a group of house church leaders in China. He was struggling with the attitudes of some of his house church leaders. Some leaders would not allow any hand clapping during the singing of songs. One leader complained bitterly. Every evening in the sleeping area, he would complain further to the group. They would debate endlessly on whether or not clapping hands during singing was permissible, biblical, and even wise if it attracted attention from the authorities. He said, it was like a black smoke pouring out from the weeds. 
This continued until the afternoon of the last day when God used his word and his Holy Spirit to do an amazing work. The brother who was complaining stood up and admitted his wrong attitude. He asked God and the group to forgive his stubbornness and defensiveness. His confession with meekness was like the Lord broke down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. The group rejoiced and prayed together with unity of spirit. The Lord was victorious in achieving unity through meekness, not weakness. Thanks, Paul. The bottom line, today I will quit calling the shots and surrender complete control to God, my Heavenly Father. Lord, help me learn to be meek. There you have it, men. Remember to order your free PDF copy of our new offer, Live the Jesus Way, Following and Living the Teaching of Our Master. Request it at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global, and our website is goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become men alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ.